Hey there traders, looking to take the guesswork out of trading and only 10 minutes a day? Then you need to head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com right now, where you can get our five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading in only 10 minutes per day. And the only place to get that is at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. But in that, I have absolutely more number of losses, right? The number of winners. But if I'm wrong, I have no problem getting out quickly. And if I'm right, and I think a lot of people fall into that trap too, you know, it's the uh, Kahneman Twersky, you know, sort of thing, you know, where, you know, they're risk seeking at the wrong time, right? So let your uh, winners run, let your losers, uh, you know, get out quickly, take care of themselves. And you'll, at the end of the day, it's about making money, not being right. I think a lot of people mentality wise fall into that ladder trap. This is the How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast, brought to you by 10MinuteStockTrader.com, where we cover finance, stocks, options, entrepreneurship, education, and money. And here's your host, voted one of the top 100 people in finance, Christopher Ewell. Hey there, traders. Welcome back to today's How to Trade Stocks Options Podcast. Today, we have a special lesson for you. I'm putting it here on the podcast because I really believe that this is going to provide you massive, massive value. And that's what I'm trying to do here. And hey, listen, if this podcast was useful to you at all, I really highly suggest that you go check out the full trading course at AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com. Markets are people. People are predictable. Outlier can show you how to track market fear and greed with artificial intelligence on over 1,300 of the largest market cap names. Visit outlier.com to learn more. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. They have a free pilot program for the rest of 2021 so you can get access to right now at O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. That's O-V-T-L-Y-R.com. Hey, make sure you subscribe and hit the bell so you'll be notified every time we give you more tools, tips, and tricks to help you trade faster and trade smarter every single week. So Tim, that's, uh, I didn't get a chance to ask you this. Where is your website right now? Because I've got a few different links, but I want to make sure that we talk about the right place. Yeah, you know, I have a bunch of them. Probably the you know best one would be my uh, MarketFi one. And I can marketfi.com. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that's why I asked because because I saw you've got um, Delta derivatives, MarketFi. Used to be at Trading Block. So I was right. like, what, what, is, yeah. what is this actual spot we need to talk about? Yeah. And then I'm doing some. Uh, I provide trade ideas to a couple other websites. You know, so uh, you know, multitude of things. And mostly, I trade on my own. I'm still. That's where the bulk of my time's at. So. Mm, okay, that makes sense. So Tim, you, I saw in your bio that you um, worked with Man Securities in Chicago. Is that the same man where uh, Larry Hype was at? Don't remember. Larry. Was he on the future side probably? Oh yeah, for sure. He was one of the market wizards, Larry Hype. Okay. It was, yeah, it would have been the same. I mean, I was, Man Securities was the, you know, redheaded stepchild of Man because Man <laughs> was huge on the futures. And then I uh, left there. Basically, they kind of cut out securities. And luckily, right after that's when Corzine blew up the company. So, um, you know, then I moved on to uh, Thinkorswim after that and then to Trading Block. 
Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah, that was definitely the man securities that Larry Height was at. Yeah. yeah. I had a chance to, uh, to speak with Larry before. So I thought maybe y'all, y'all knew each other. I'm from Texas as well. You could probably hear with the y'all. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got so, the Chicago accent heavy, so. No, it's all good. Um, so you probably knew Tom Sosnoff and uh, yeah. the Tasty, Tasty Trade people. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, Thinker Swim was great. And I would have stayed there except when TD bought him out. Mm-hmm. They didn't allow discretionary trading and stuff I was doing, you know, because TD just wanted to be, you know, the big, you know, broker, right? So I had to move out of there to Trading Blocks, one of the few places that still allows, you know, discretionary trading. I got some managed accounts that I trade for, uh, so I need to have that ability. Mm, gotcha. Okay. So what are you doing these days over at MarketFi? Uh, basically, there I, that's my longest running, um, you know, uh, website that I basically provide trade ideas, educational videos, all volatility based. That's really, you know, I base almost everything off of volatility. You know, most of my trades are vol arb type trades. Uh, so I've been doing that for seven years now uh, and uh, kind of morphed out of uh, I started years ago. Uh, kind of providing trade ideas uh, to individuals, not on a website basis before the websites took off. And it just morphed into that. It was so much easier to get a bigger audience and, mm. and so forth. Yeah, that makes sense. So so when you talk about volatility, are you talking like selling premium or or what? Is there a different path that you're talking about? Well, it depends really on where implied vol is, right? I mean, yeah. you know, uh, and I look at basically, you know, for my prop trading, absolutely look for, uh, you know, capturing IV differentials, what I call pumps and dumps in the vowel surface, and more kind of a market maker approach. I trade on the floor uh, from 87 to 90. Um, and, uh, you know, taking kind of that approach, low risk, you know, you can get into butterflies, long flies for credits, stuff like that. So it takes a lot of grunt work. But it's, you know, well worth it because you can just keep grinding stuff out. So that's what I really focus on day in and day out. For the trade ideas, obviously, retail accounts can't really do that. So I just look for extremes and take a counter trend position at extremes is really my forte, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I have to ask, counter trend trading at extremes. I'm writing this down. Yep. And I wait for the curl, it's called. That's another term I use. So, I mean, if something's ripping to the upside, right, I won't jump in front of it until the market shows me, you know, that, you know, this may be at least slowing down here. Okay. 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 Because when when I hear somebody say counter trend trading at extremes, I think you like to stand on the railroad tracks and just let the trains run over you. No, no, yeah. I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid, right? <laughs> Look, that's that's how I cut my teeth in trading was trying to trade counter trends, right? Yeah. And and it had a lot to do with the idea of being a quote contrarian trader. And it's oh, if the market's up, I'm just gonna start selling calls against it, right? Which was a terrible, stupid way to yeah. learn how to trade. But in the process, uh, I paid my Wall Street tuition and now I feel a lot better about how I trade. Right. But to your point, you wait for the curl. And that's what I talk to people about um, all the time is, you know, if you are wanting to go long on something, but it's been just falling apart, just wait, just wait. And then at some point it will say to you, hey, I want to go back up now. Right. And that's what you're talking about. Exactly right. You know, and it's uh, I just started a 
uh, sort of spread service based on that using a simple kind of RSI and then having confirming indicators behind it. But basically RSI crossover from, you know, above 70 to below or below 30 to above, make sure it confirms with maybe MACD momentum, make sure the technicals, the chart looks good. And then I go one standard deviation out, 30 days out usually. Uh, one standard deviation I like is the market's leptocurtic, right? It either moves big or sits there most of the time. And you actually get paid more than what it occurs. So I like to kind of hunt in that space uh, for the spreads. When you and say 30, one standard deviation, are you saying that you're, for example, if, if you're going to go short, are you saying you're selling call spreads at the 30-ish delta? Is that what you're saying? Am I reading that right? It would be uh, somewhere around there. Exactly right. It depends, okay. uh, you know, but yeah, so I look 30 days out in time, right? Because I, I like that. It gives you enough, you know, too short and you get way too much you know, gamma if it starts going against you. And too far, the thing doesn't move forever. Uh, so 30 days seems to be give or take. And then one standard deviation because of the leptocurtic. And yeah, to answer your point, yeah, you're, you're pretty much hunting in the same area from stock to stock, higher implied volatility, bigger cushion, but they need to be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so when you say one standard deviation, so, some people refer to that as like... Um, like a, a, a what, I believe it's like a 30 delta on either side. So that's why I was asking, are you taking like the 30 delta on, on the call side or are you going like Could the be, 16 well, delta? Remember deltas depend on implied volatility too. Mm -hmm. So higher implied volatility, deltas tend to come towards 50, lower implied volatilities, they go away from 50 more. So you can't use a, you know, exact delta kind of scenario. But one standard deviation out on a 30-day basis, right? You, you know, you're really looking at take the annualized, you know, and divide it by, you know, roughly three and a half and that'll get you, you know, the monthly standard deviation, just go okay. above and below there. And that's where you're at. All right. So how do you maintain your risk there? Because let's say you're selling spreads and you're doing it on, you know, 30 deltas, just to be consistent with our example right. here. You're probably taking in like, if it's a $5 wide spread, maybe a buck 50, maybe a dollar 25, something like that. How do you maintain your risk? Do you, because some, some people would say, you know what, you put on a defined risk spread and you just let it run. But the math doesn't play out with that when you've got like a $350 loss, you know, one lots here, $350 loss and $150 win. Like that, the math doesn't always play out to where that, that works. And, and I know because that's how I lost, exactly. that's how I lost my first fortune is how I describe it. Um, so how do you maintain the risk on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at it just from straight probabilities, right, you're going to have roughly about an 83% chance of that spread going out worthless, right? If you just look at it because, you know, it's only on one side as far as your standard deviation, you don't have to worry about the other side. So, you know, let's call it, an, you know, uh, one out of uh, five uh, should be maybe problematic. And I usually use a money factor uh, in other words, if I'm selling the spread, and most of these uh, on a five-point wide spread, you're looking at about a 70-cent net credit one standard deviation out. Um, and I like kind of the you know one-point strikes now uh, to tighten up the risk, right? Um, you know, some guys actually gravitate more towards the wider spreads where you're in essence almost selling a naked. You know, it helps margin-wise, but risk-wise, that long isn't going to do much for you. Um, so, uh, so I use a money factor, say we sell the spread for 70 cents. 
you know, if all of a sudden, uh, you know, it goes one and a half times against me, right, uh, where it's trading at, you know, somewhere around, you know, a buck 80, um, you know, then I would be looking to, you know, maybe cover that spread and just move on. And I'm a big fan of just take a loss. Small losses are great, right? You know, uh, small losses are inevitable. Large losses are unconscionable, I always say. Like and if you look at your trading career, it's the big losers that define how well you're doing the long run, right? You know, long-term capital uh, is the classic, you know, example of that, right? They were still right about 98% of the time, right? But the Fed had to bail them out, so. Yeah, I mean, you can vacuum up all the nickels all over the world you want, but eventually uh, you could overextend yourself and that, that's what happened there. So, so Tim, I, I forgive me because I, I jumped straight into uh, trading mechanics and such here without giving you a chance to, to tell me about you. Yeah, so I started my uh, trading career the old-fashioned way as a runner on the trading floor back when there actually, number one, was a trading floor. There's still a few guys left down there, but it's a, you know, shadow of itself. Uh, and then worked my way up, uh, bought a seat in 87. Uh, it started right before the crash of 87, actually trading my own money, which taught me an invaluable lesson. If you were able to trade the day after the crash of 87, Right. I mean, it was free money because you're trading against literally risk managers on the trading floor and they didn't care what price. Right. They just wanted the, you know, get me out trade. So the fact that, you know, I was always very much tight on my risk, you know, I was able to, you know, uh, make back everything plus the, in that one day from uh, the carnage the previous two days. So that taught me that, you know, position sizing, risk management is really the key to long-term success. You can be, you know, right, uh, but you better make sure that when you're wrong, you're not really wrong. So uh, then, you know, things started to change. I went upstairs, traded uh, for about seven years upstairs. Uh, didn't really want to go with the trading group because you're beholden to the worst guy in the trading group can cost you money the way they had the structure on, you know, uh, all those JBOs back then. Uh, so then kind of morphed into a combination broker and, uh, you know, trading my own accounts and a little managed accounts. And I think that's really was a sweet spot until brokerage became, you know, there's no money there, right? Because there's no commissions. Uh, you know, the old fashioned brokers really are dying on the vine unless you can charge maybe a management fee. So then it kind of morphed into more just a, you know, trading for myself, prop trading, managing some accounts, and then providing, uh, you know, advice to different web services and starting consulting firm Delta Derivatives and Option Analytics. Gotcha. So what do you do in a consulting firm, right? Are you reaching out to, to different institutions in their trading or how does that work? I wish it was, you know, more institutional. Those guys usually, you know, the big boys have their own guys, right? And yeah. that's, you know. But I mean, there's a lot of small funds out there that, uh, you know, it's kind of a niche opportunity. And most of them, it's providing a, you know, avenue for a different kind of, you know, trade that they're doing. And I do a lot of overlays for them. So a lot of my vol arb is basically on top of their core strategy. You know, I started years ago with a pipes fund that was running into trouble because Citadel got into their space. And we know what happens when the big boys step in, the margins all shrink. So I started doing just a simple Volarb overlay on top of their you know, strategy because mine doesn't take much uh, as far as margin requirement to do. And they had plenty of you know, margin to use up. So it was non-correlated, it worked out very nicely. Unfortunately, 
you know, they had to close down because the main strategy went bye-bye. So I continue that on to this day. So really it's providing consulting on not only, you know, maybe if you want to do some options against your stock portfolio, the best way to do it, but here's a strategy you can do right on top of it, generate some non-correlated alpha. And if I can add, you know, 125 bips over the course of the year to the overall fund, right? You know, and I'm using, say, you know, uh, 15% at most, of uh, their AUM, then they love that, right? Because that will put them ahead of the game. And at the end of the day, if you can beat the guys in your space, that's how you get more uh, money. What does vol arb mean to you? You've mentioned that a few times now, and I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, volatility arbitrage, it's a, you know, really kind of a simple concept with a fancy term. So what I look to do is take a look at the volatility surface, so all the options, and implied volatility is just a fancy way to say the price of the options. So if all of a sudden the, uh, to use say uh, Apple for an example, the 145 calls are being bid up, right? Uh, because there's a big buyer out there. I will go in and sell those and then maybe hedge by buying the 144 calls and the 146 calls, right? Do it in a Delta neutral fashion to find risk. But the fact I can take advantage of someone's either overpaying or underselling usually to get a big order done. And then once that goes away, everything reverts back. Implied volatility is absolutely mean reverting. Once it reverts back, I'd simply take the trade off and move on, right? In the meantime, I have absolute defined risk. So if something big happens before that reversion, I'm hedged and you know feel comfortable with the position. So, so let's go through that example again real quick. So you said, if there's a big buyer coming in, they're buying up the 145 calls, we're expecting them, they're, they're expecting the market to go up. You were saying that you, I, I forget the strikes you mentioned, but you were saying you got yourself into a delta neutral position to work with that that 145 call. Could you go through that one more time? Yeah, sure. I, I'm really, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, not directly biased at all. Yeah. So, you know, whether they're buying the calls, you can lean with them a little bit, but uh, so I would just look for my best hedge. A simple one would be what's called a long call butterfly, right? So I would sell two of those 145 calls and then hedge with buying one of the 144 calls, right? One strike below, and one of the 146 calls, one strike above. And the fact that I can sell comparatively oh. valued and then buy fairly valued, that's where my edge comes into play. Okay, in okay. reverse, yeah, if someone's selling, you just do the exact opposite trade. No, I, I totally get it. Plus on that trade, the uh, the risk on that is tiny because, you know, it's, we're talking $1 wide and you're probably scooping up, uh, I don't even know, probably more than 50% of that width in your, uh, your butterfly that you're selling there, right? Yeah. And sometimes uh, what I really like to do on uh, stocks, say like Amazon and Tesla is especially on out of the money options where they are very much price indifferent, right? They don't care if they pay 15 cents or 20 cents, right? I can get into these positions for a net credit where you have zero risk, right? You can hang on to it and just say, you know what? There's no margin requirement. And you just hang on and, uh, you know, it's a free lotto ticket that they're actually paying you for. So uh, I think out of the money options, because the big buyers out there are very, they don't care. These big guys, you know, don't care. A nickel doesn't matter to them. But to me, a nickel, if you do it in decent size and all day long, is everything. Mm -hmm. So how that sounds like a super small window that you could take advantage of something like this. How do you, 
how do you find something that happens that fast? Because I mean, if you're if you're putting on this butterfly with the expectation of the vol to come back down, it sounds like this is like a half hour trade at the most. Am I am I hearing that right? Yeah, I mean, really, as long as you know, the, sometimes these buyers, right? So one of the keys is what's called open interest. So if there's a big open position out there, many times these guys have shorted these out of the money options from a while ago they come in and they're really more price and different when they're buying to close, right? They just want to cover the position and move on. So if they have a big position, it might take them, you know, a few days to get that position covered, right? You know, if they have to cover 15 or 20,000 of these. So they many times come back here and you can kind of just, you know, scan. It takes a lot of grunt work. I have scanners that I use. Uh, You know, the firm that I'm with uh, has some really high-end option scanners, uh, that are, you know, really pricey. But, you know, the Thinkorswim platform for one of my uh, services, I showed them how to build a simple scanner uh, to identify, you know, changes in volume and implied volatility. So, you know, you really have to do a lot of grunt work, but it's worth it at the end of the day, because when you find these opportunities, you know, it literally can be free money, uh, you know, if you can get into these things for a net credit where there's zero risk involved. Yeah, I understand completely. Um One of my things I, I used to do, I haven't done it so much in, in a while, but it was, uh, I would sell the broken wing butterflies. And then as soon as I could roll up that long leg to where it was a net credit overall, I would do that. Right. And, and I love doing that and, and, and teaching that to people. Cause I, I, you know, you're, you're exactly right. It's like a lotto ticket. It costs you nothing to just hold it until expiration. And then you, you know, just let it fall out of the money if it happens to be out of the money. Yeah, no, and that's a great trade too. You know, stuff like that is, you know, people talk about, you know, he's a great trader or whatever. Many of the times they're talking about guys who just speculate in a huge way and, you know, hit a big home run, right? The really good traders are the guys who just day in and day out, you know, do the work and continue to generate profits. And I hope, you know, uh, because the market's become so speculative that risk-adjusted returns are, are almost passe now, but at the end of the day, it's very important, you know, how, what your risk adjusted return is, not just what your return is, because, you know, these guys who uh, I've seen it on the trading floor too, you know, uh, they're here one day and gone the next day. So that's something that uh, I certainly have avoided and continue to want to avoid going forward. Well, yeah, for sure. And that, that's, that's the whole point of the game, right? Is, is keeping your risk in check. As you mentioned earlier, you know, you're defined by, by your big losses. And so you, you mentioned earlier about taking off like 1.5 times the credit. Uh, that's when you'd be looking at, at taking it off. And so that's where I think, I, I know I went wrong on this early on and, and I love sharing my losses, right? When I, when I do my podcast, I've got nearly 600 episodes now. I'm not the guy who's like, oh, I win everything. Oh, you know, I, I drive around in my Lambos and whatnot. No, I, I try and keep it as honest and open as possible because a lot of the time uh, people don't know what the risks are. And if you and I could have a conversation and, and I express that to somebody and it keeps them from making the same loss, it's worth my time to do that. Absolutely. So, You're, you know, at the end of the day in my trading career, uh, forget about the Valarb stuff, but just, you know, kind of, and I do have, you know, my, uh, you know, Yaya account, I call it, where I'm more speculative. But in that, I have absolutely more number of losses, right? The number of winners. But if I'm wrong, I have no problem getting out quickly. And if I'm right, and I think a lot of people fall into that trap too, 
you know, it's the uh, Kahneman Tversky, you know, sort of thing, you know, where, you know, they're risk seeking at the wrong time, right? So let your uh, winners run, let your losers, uh, you know, get out quickly, take care of themselves. And you'll, at the end of the day, it's about making money, not being right. I think a lot of people mentality wise fall into that ladder trap. Oh yeah. And, and that was for me too, right? I, I assumed that having the biggest win rate possible was all that mattered, but at the sacrifice of having these big losses that, you know, never turned a profit for me. And, you know, it, there was one year at the end of the year, I did a, uh, like a study on, on my personal trading account and um, I was down on the year and I was like, well, what, what happened? Right. And my, my trade, I thought was my number one trade was iron condors, but I would indiscriminately put them on. I'd be like, oh, it's Thursday, iron condor day. Everybody gets an iron condor. You get one, you get one, right? I'd be putting them on everything. It didn't matter to me. And I, I had, and when I tell people this, they don't believe me, their eyes kind of glaze over. Right. But I had like an 80% win rate. Because in theory, you know, if you sell them far enough away, it should work out. But uh, 90% of the dollars I lost came from that strategy. And it was because, you know, the, the idea of putting it on, letting it go to expiration, if it works, if it doesn't work, whatever. But that's when the, the light went on in my head, like, this doesn't work. It may have an 80 plus percent win rate, but if I'm losing all my money doing this, Obviously, I'm not doing something right. And I think that the issue with selling options and selling spreads is the idea that you've got room, right? You talked about selling one standard deviation away. And I think that it lures in a lot of investors who don't really know how to manage risk. And I was in that camp. If a stock is at 100 and I'm selling a 110 call and the only thing it's doing is going up every single day, Every day I'm looking at like, oh, I got room. Oh, I got room. Oh, I got room. And then at some point, I don't have any more room. It's in the money. I'm losing. I'm losing as every day goes by. What would you tell somebody who who's coming into our world and they're seeing the idea of, you know, oh, hey, I could just sell options and have these huge win rates. But but in reality, it's not it's not that easy. What would you tell somebody about that? It's I mean, I always use the uh, term if you don't know where to get out. You shouldn't be getting in. So before I do any trade, you know, first of all, I predefine my risk, obviously, on in this instance with a spread. And second of all, I'll look on the chart and just say, when it gets to this point, right, I want to be out, you know, or trim down. Usually I just get out of the trade. I have no problem. You know, I'm not a fan of repair strategies or all, you know, because usually if you're wrong, you tend to continue to be wrong. Uh, so, you know, uh, I always predefine my levels. If it gets to this point, I'm out and I have no problem pulling the trigger. I think that's one of the most invaluable services I pray for the, you know, subscribers out there, right? Who, you know, I'll say, get out of this trade. They'll do it. If they were doing it on their own, they would probably have that mentality you just talked about. Give it one more day or it'll come back or, you know. Uh, I also adhere to the Paul Tudor Jones uh, philosophy of losers, average losers. So mm-hmm. don't, add, I mean, adding to a losing position, especially with options, right, is a recipe for disaster. So be okay with, if you can't take a loss, uh, you shouldn't be trading to begin with. And if you don't know where to take a loss, you better find out quickly because the market will teach you that uh, here's where you should have gotten out, but that was a while ago and good luck now. You know, I heard somebody say one time that they feel people should learn to trade stocks before they learn to trade options. And 
it more, in my opinion, when I read that, it was more of the the idea of the managing the risk. Because when you're selling options, like you're already skewed in a unfavorable risk to return relationship, right? You're risking four to make one kind of situation. And when you don't have the, the practice of learning to trade the stocks and cutting your losers short and things like that, I think you're just naturally inclined. I mean, human psychology to just let it work. And then, you know, hopefully it comes back. And, yeah, and I think that there are people out there who, who really push that narrative. And I just don't feel like that's the case. I think you need to be very structured in how you manage your risk and it should be paramount. Should be at the forefront, and I hate to say it, but as these meme stocks have become so prevalent now, it's at you know it's a YOLO trade every day, which you know uh, you know you only lose one should be you know the YOLO thing right on some of these, and yeah, absolutely right. I mean, the worst thing you can do is probably have a trade go against you in options big time, and then have it come back, and you know you're like emboldened to keep doing it. Uh, and you know, I have no problem with the fact that if it goes against me and it does come back, you know, you don't say, Hey, I look like an idiot, right? You just say, You know, I stuck, be proud of yourself. You did what you needed to do, and uh, you have enough money to trade uh, the next day. So, you know, uh, at the end of the day, risk management is, you know, key to everything out there. And, uh, you know, uh, I think options, because options are curved, not linear, stocks are much easier to trade. If the stock's up two bucks, it's up two bucks. If uh, stock's up two bucks, what are the options up? It depends on a lot of things. So, uh, you know, and that curvature effect, that, you know, gamma effect is where people can really get into trouble, especially on the short side. Right. So where would you recommend somebody who is starting out, they want to manage their own account? How would you, you know, give them, hold them by the hand and say, okay, start here. Like this, this is, this is the way to learn how to do it correctly. So you don't, because for me, it was unlearning lots of bad habits that I had learned before I really started figuring things out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, obviously learn the basics to begin with and understand them at a pretty deep level, right? Uh, you know, don't just jump in and, you know, start trading without understanding, you know, uh, all the different components of option pricing and uh, the different kind of trades you can put on. But understanding implied volatility and how it you know, impacts option trading, right? I mean, uh, I've seen a lot of guys in the retail world be right on direction and so wrong on implied volatility that they end up losing on the trade, right? Because they did the absolute worst trade and it's tough enough to be right on the direction if you have a bad trade going in. So make sure you always include an implied volatility analysis in with your directional analysis, or in the case of options, the nice thing is you can have a non-directional, you know, uh, outlook and, you know, make what I call the dire straits trade, the money for nothing, right? If it just sits there. So options are really, I think, uh, the last vestige that can provide an edge for people who know what they're doing out there. So get a good education, get your feet wet with some, you know, simple spreads, a debit spread or a credit spread and uh, go from there. And then you can slowly build up, like you talked about the iron condors, but in a retail account too, I mean, you don't have the latitude to do some of the stuff that, you know, the big, you know, option books out there do where they're managing, you know, just a huge book of options. So there's really is only probably about eight to 10 strategies that you need to know uh, when you're trading options in kind of that retail account. 
And, you know, as you go along, it's not as, you know, they're not easy, but they're not that you know, difficult once you get a grasp, especially on implied volatility. You know, to that point, I heard somebody say one time um, for new traders, like they should just avoid options and learn, learn stocks, like I mentioned earlier, but their point was, you know, it's hard enough to learn how to trade options to begin with, right? Because there's so many variables that go into it. But to your point, exactly, that you can be right and still lose money, right? You're buying out of the money calls, you expect it to go up, it goes up, but it only goes up a fraction of what your, your call was. And you're looking at it, you know, obviously as a new investor and you're thinking, this should have worked, right? Everybody on Wall Street bets told me to buy these out of the money calls. Why is this not working, right? And then, then there's... Yeah. Trading options. Gosh, you know, I, I spent months thinking I knew how to trade and then I blew up my account in 60 days. And then I spent, and then I spent six, you know, probably six more months learning and how to trade. And, and, uh, then I managed to blow up my account again after that. Right. And, and it was all risk-based, you know, not controlling risk, not understanding how, how to trade and keep risks tight. Yeah, and I, that's absolutely, you know, and it's probably good for the long haul that you had trouble to begin with because you wouldn't yep, have yep. kept, you know, learning stuff along the way. And I think we miss, you know, with the trading floor being gone, I, you know, being starting as a runner and actually talking the guys down there, seeing it and all that provided invaluable experience for, you know, that very notion you just talked about where, you know, you saw guys blow up, right? You saw the, you know, true pros you know, how they handle it, right? It's kind of like, you know, uh, going, I'm a, you know, big golf fan, right? You can watch the really good golfers, right? They go about their business in a certain way. The other guys who are, you know, not so good, right? Have a different approach. So uh, yeah, uh, at the end of the day, you know, options, uh, like I said, aren't really, you know, that difficult, right? People, I think it's scared off too early, but you got to put a little work into it too. And that's what, I'm kind of not seeing in this market as we go into this more meme, you know, all you have to do is buy this and hope it rips higher. And I've also seen implied volatility on these options in the, you know, uh, Reddit stocks. Guys uh, who make the markets the first time through got run over. Now they absolutely lift the implied volatility, the price of the options to ridiculous levels. People still pay it because they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, there's a classic example, right? of, you know, you can buy an out-of-the-money call at over 200 implied volatility on these things, you had better have that stock continue to rip higher, right? Otherwise, you are just, uh, you know, SOL, to put it bluntly. And, you know, and it's not the fault of the market makers, right? As a trader, you have the choice to always buy or sell an option, right? Tom Sosnoff always uh, taught that to everyone. He goes, hey, if you don't like uh, this, he goes, you can sell it. You know, you don't have to buy it or sell it. You know, you have the choice as a trader. That's a key thing. As a market maker, you have to react to, you know, you put up a market, they trade against you, you hedge it. As a trader, you have the choice to, you know, kind of wait and see. And I think patience uh, also pays in trading. I think people early on get too, you know, engrossed in it. I always equate it to like a big cat in the African plains, right? You don't run after every gazelle. You'll run yourself out. You wait for the weak gazelle and then you attack. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Tim, I want to send people to learn more about you. Um, so MarketFi is the best place for them to go? Yeah, MarketFi is my longest one out there. 
uh, as far as uh, you can take a look at uh, the stuff I've done. You can sign up. I send out, uh, you know, kind of weekly videos and newsletters, provide trade ideas. Uh, there's a couple other sites. Uh, the Adam Mesh Group is one that I provide uh, trade ideas for uh, two services, starting a new one with stock news next month. So I like the fact, I think it's important for me to pass on, you know, my too many years of experience now in the, the industry, but to pass it on in a way where, you know, it's realistic returns with realistic trades. Uh, certainly the option newsletter industry is fraught with the, all you need is $500 and you become a millionaire, right? Um, you know, if it was that easy, they probably wouldn't be telling you about it would be my guess, right? Uh, you know, so if the returns are good to be true, guess what they are. So I think it's important to, to you know, take a, you know, realistic approach to option trading. You're going to have losers. You're going to have periods where you draw down. And that's kind of why I gravitated towards these sites, because they embrace that. A lot of the places out there go 180 and are like, oh, no, you know, uh, we just want to get you in and we're going to show you how to, you know, be in Fiji within a year. I'd love to be in Fiji within a year. Me too. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much for your time today. And I uh, look forward to, uh, you know, sharing this and, you know, hearing everybody's feedback about how much they've learned from you. So thank you so much for your time. You better appreciate it, Christopher. Always uh, great to talk options, especially with people interested in getting into it for the first time. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Tim. Have a great weekend. You too. Take care. Okay. So what'd you think? That was pretty incredible, right? Now, if you like that, that's only a taste, only a sample of what you're going to find in the full AI stock trading system. And I really highly encourage you to go and check this out. Obviously, you are interested in learning and how to trade. And that's why you're listening to this podcast. Now, I'm going to take and download my entire trading system that I use day in and day out onto you. <laughs> and the only way I'm going to be able to do that is over at the AIStockTradingSystem.com. You're going to get phase one, two, and three, several bonuses. And on top of that, I'm going to walk you through over a dozen trades that I put on inside of my account, holding your hand and showing you exactly how I got in, how I got out, how I use the artificial intelligence data, and how this could work inside of your own trading portfolio on a daily basis. So make sure you head on over to AIStockTradingSystem.com. That's AIStockTradingSystem.com to learn more and to get started and to download my decade plus worth of trading experience into your hands so you can start using the AI Stock Trading System today, the five-step system to take the guesswork out of trading. Hey, if you like this video, let me know by leaving me a like below and then subscribe and share it with somebody you think could use it as well. Be sure to comment below with your biggest takeaway from this episode and any suggestions you have for future episodes. And finally, make sure you watch these other videos to help you trade faster and trade smarter. And I'll see you on the next episode. 10 minute StockTrader.com content is for information and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be, trading or investment advice or recommendation that any security, futures contract, options contract, transaction, or other financial instrument or strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities can involve high risk and the potential for total loss of any funds invested. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule, through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. Investment information provided may not be suitable for all investors and is provided without respect to the individual investors and audience's financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. TimMinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not in the business of trading securities trades, nor does it direct client commodity accounts or give commodity trading advice.
tailored to any particular client situation or investment objectives. 10MinuteStockTrader.com and Christopher Yule are not licensed financial advisors, registered investment advisors, or registered broker-dealers. Stocks, options, futures, futures options, and other financial instruments not included here involve risk and are not suitable for all investors. You alone are responsible for making your investment and financial trading decisions and for evaluating the merits and risks associated with the use of any financial security and broker platform. For more information, please visit 10MinuteStockTrader.com legal. And thanks for stopping by.